Hi everyone, welcome to the Ball Girls. So it's me, Haley. Unfortunately, Jordan's sick today, so I'm riding solo, but I have a really special guest with me today. I have Jess Platt here with me. So she's a CWHL player for the Toronto Furies, hometown team for us, a member of the PW, PWHPA. Did I get that right? Yep. Wonderful. I always struggle with acronyms. I'm so proud of myself for that one. Um, and also an advocate for the LGBTQ plus community. So the first question I wanted to ask you is something that you had tweeted a while back and it kind of hit home with me. You said that you always felt that the women's hockey community was much more accepting than the men's hockey community. Do you find it's because there's kind of like a sisterhood there or just what about it makes it more accepting? Um, well, personally, growing up, you know, LGBTQ plus, um, I've always felt more comfortable with women. I feel like women are more open-minded, but I think it comes... Uh, in the hockey community specifically, it more has to do with the fact that hockey is more of a male-dominated sport. Um, you know, there wasn't a lot of women playing hockey when I was growing up. Um, and when they were, like, there weren't many women's only teams. Like, there, were, there wasn't a ton of them. So a lot of players had to play on the boys' teams, and they were, you know, put in their own change room. They were... Um, they were made fun of on the ice by the boys. They always kind of had something to prove, I guess. Um, so they know what it feels like to be outside on the margins, I guess. So, um, I mean, they know how that feels and I think that they don't want other people to feel that way. So they're just more open and accepting, I find. Of course. And like you said, not wanting other people to feel that way. You said when you came out, you knew there was a need for visibility and representation in not just, you know, women's sport, but sport in general. And do you feel like, you know, as the first transgender player in the CWHL, you're an icon for other young people who might be feeling the same way you did and want to play in sport, but like they don't have a place there? Um, I feel uncomfortable calling myself an icon at all. Like, um, that's just not my style, but um, I would hope that people could look to me and see a possible future. Um, I know before I came out, I, you know, I looked to Fallon Fox, who was an MMA fighter, and I saw Chris Mosier, a Team USA duathlete, and I saw Harrison Brown come out in the NWHL the year before. So seeing these representations um, kind of showed me that I could transition, you know, find happiness in my life and I could play sports as well. So I think that's, I think that's why I think the visibility is so important. So I hope that people are getting similar things as um, Fallon, Chris and Harrison gave to me for, I hope, I hope they're getting it for me. Of course. No, I see definitely. I mean, I would call you an icon, even if you don't call yourself one. But, you know, Thank it, you. it definitely takes bravery to do. And a place like sport, like we had Brock McGillis on the podcast, and he said a lot of his gay friends don't enjoy sport because they feel like they don't have a place for it. It's not that they don't, you know, enjoy sport itself, but they feel like, you know, even if I do enjoy sports, there's no place for me. So why would mm -hmm. I put myself there? Do you feel that's true? Yeah, I feel like a lot of people have been pushed out of sports. Um, uh a lot of transgender people specifically reached out to me when I was, when I came out and, you know, told me that me coming out and telling my story made them feel like, you know, it was possible for them to play hockey again, or it was possible for them to play the sport that they loved. So 
I mean, I can I can definitely see people feeling like they were pushed out. Um, I mean, I had quit playing hockey for I think like seven years or so um, to transition, so I didn't feel like there was a spot for me my, for myself there um, during transition. Uh, I just came back to it afterwards. Right. And so kind of shifting to your coming back to hockey, a lot of us were super devastated when, you know, the CWHL folded, but now that the NWHL is getting a Toronto team, do you think that that shows that there is a need for women's hockey in Canada or how do you feel when you heard that Toronto was getting a team? Um, well, I kind of expected it. I had heard rumors that the NWHL was planning on um, expanding to Toronto for a couple of years. Um, I think it's great. It shows that there is, you know, there's a need for women's hockey at an elite level. Um, I mean, there's, sorry, there, yeah, I think it shows that there's a need for elite hockey at, um, for women's hockey at an elite level. And I think it shows that there will be a fan base. Um, I think they, I think their Twitter accounts just got like 6,000 followers already and the season hasn't even started. So like, I mean, it shows that there's going to be fans, um, it shows that there needs to be needs to be more it needs to be seen more like put it on a tv network people will watch it they just need to know that it exists of so course. i think it coming to toronto is it's great of course and now i know when the cwhl was alive and well and we all miss her but they there was the one league movement and so do you see that with the support of, you know, former women's hockey players and things like that, with the team moving, you think that it could expand to other cities in Canada, at least? Uh, the NWHL? Yeah. Um, I think it could potentially. Um, I think, you know, if, if somehow the PWHPA and the NWHL can get something worked out together where it would bring, you know, the Olympian caliber hockey players to play in the NWH as well. I think that would definitely help help an expansion. Um, but I mean, as far as I know, I don't know too many details. Um, I don't see that happening this year or next year or I'm not really too sure. I don't really know all the all the behind the scenes things. Um, but I think if there is success in Toronto and things get worked out, it could easily um, open up to other cities because I know there's a huge market for it in Montreal, um, pretty good market for it in Calgary and I'm sure many other places. Right. And kind of you touched on there, the NWHL and kind of an agreement with the PWHA, being part of the PWHA, what do you find is the hardest fight for women in sports? You know, like you said, visibility, I know finances sometimes are an issue. What do you find is like the biggest struggle when trying to get, you know, recognition for women's sports? Um, I think one of the biggest struggles is getting people to realize just how talented, how good, how dedicated, how incredible all these female athletes are. Um, you know, there's a lot of people who, guys who will, uh, on like a com on a comment section be like oh like they're midget they're midget a level boys players like they don't understand how good these players are they don't understand that the work that they put into it they don't 
they just don't understand. They just don't understand it, and they don't want to understand it. They just want to bring down the women's game, which, in a way, I think they just like bringing down women in general, which is a huge problem in men's hockey culture in my eyes. But, um, yeah, I think just getting people to – getting it the recognition it deserves, getting people to realize how much these women put into it, how good they are, um, that's, a, that's a struggle. Right. And kind of saying, you know, the work you put into it, I know you put a lot of work to get where you are as a player. How did you kind of find your path to even the CWHL? Because you didn't really have that traditional, you know, go play at a D1 school for four years and then, you know, that's your life after. So how did you kind of find your journey into professional hockey? Um, well, I was always a pretty good hockey player growing up. Um, you know, I was talented. My dad always told me that I – just knew where everyone was on the ice, you know, had a great shot. But back then I didn't have the, I didn't have the motivation to take care of myself. I didn't have the motivation to really train and be the best hockey player that I could be. Um, I always said that I wanted to be the best that I could be, but I mean, it, the motivation just wasn't there. Um, so once I transitioned and I was happy with myself and you know, I started to actually like my body. I started wanting to take care of it. So I would be running, biking, working out. And then, you know, I just tried to, I wanted to play hockey again once I felt comfortable in a change room setting because, you know, that's a, it's a pretty big barrier for trans, uh, trans athletes. Um, but yeah, I wanted to try and play hockey again. And I didn't really care what level it was at. I just, you know, wanted to play. So I found a summer women's league and just kind of went from there. And I'm a competitive person. So I just wanted to see what level I could play at, how, how high I could play at, um, you know, with putting in so much work and um, taking care of myself. So, um, you know, I Googled um, what I could play because I mean, there's not a lot of media exposure out there for the CWHL uh, when it existed and women's hockey in general. So I didn't really know what it, what existed. So I just, you know, I decided to go for it and see what happens. The worst that could happen would be I didn't make it. So, uh, yeah, I just went for it. And here I am. That's amazing. So is there, you know making it into like you're kind of so nonchalant about it like oh yeah I just made you know a professional hockey team that's fine like I could never do that what is something in your life that you see as like you know you accomplishing that goal like was making it to the CWHL that because you kind of said like you just want to get back into hockey so was that something that you kind of felt like triumphant in your life or how do you view your journey then if not not to say that like you know if you don't make it, you're a failure kind of thing, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, like a lot of Canadian kids, I always wanted to play professional hockey. Um, so making the CWHL was kind of a big accomplishment for me. Um, but the biggest accomplishment in my life was, you know, transitioning and finding happiness in my life and, you know, wanting to live my life the best I can and being true to who I am instead of pretending to be something I'm not. So that was the biggest accomplishment for me. And then 
you know, the CWHL was obviously huge. Right. Now, I know a lot of people, they've said when they're, you know, struggling to kind of find who they are with their identity, they use sports as an escape. But you said you stopped playing hockey for seven years when you were transitioning. When you came back, did you still have, like, that love for it? Or what was kind of the motivating factor, other than just, you know, kind of wanting to get active again? Uh, yeah, um, I definitely still had the love for hockey. Um, I had played hockey in, you know, our neighborhood backyard ice rink since I was four o'clock. Not four o'clock. <laughs> since I was four years old. Um, so hockey was a big part of me growing up. It was, you know, where I where I found happiness, where I escaped when I, w- when I was growing up, when I, you know, felt that I was different. It was, um, it was just easy for me. It was kind of my happy place, um, not the atmosphere surrounding it, just playing the game itself. So right. hockey had always been my biggest passion. So coming back to it, it was, it was amazing. And it was pretty much the same thing. I was just happy to be on the ice. I always tell people I'm more comfortable on the ice than, you know, just regular ground. (laughs) That's so funny. So I have one last question for you and people who don't know where you went to school won't understand this, but how does it feel going to the best school in the entire world? Um, Feels pretty pretty great. Um, (laughs) Never stepped on the hawk once. Thank goodness. Um, yeah, I loved my experience at Laurier. I met incredible people and, you know, it helped shape me into who I am. That's amazing. I feel the same way. I truly, my first two years at Laurier, I had like the worst experience of my life. And then the oh. last two years were like amazing though. It was like completely a 180. But anyway, like, if you want to go to Laurier, go. Laurier is the best place on earth. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, loved it. Would do again. Me, well, not the first two years. The second two years, I definitely would. <laughs> Yeah, of course. (laughs) Well, that's everything I have for you, Jess. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. It was awesome. Well, thank you so much. So thank you so much to Jessica for joining me. That was such a great talk. If you didn't know, she went to Laurier. I went to Laurier. It's great to be Laurier Golden Hawk. Um, But yeah, I'm not used to doing this without Jordan. So this is extremely strange. I don't know how Colin Coward does this. I feel like I have verbal diarrhea. I just wanted to take a second to talk about Jordan because she is truly the most amazing person I know and she literally deserves everything that she's getting right now. To trolls in her comments, like first of all, you don't bring her down, but also you just look stupid because she knows what she's talking about. She's funny, she's kind, she's intelligent. She's a wonderful person. I'm so, so proud of her. I'm proud to call her my friend. I'm proud to work with her. Like there's so many good things I could say about her. I could literally go on for the next 20 minutes about her, but I just want to say that I am so proud of her and First off, I hope she gets better, but also that I'm so grateful to have her and she deserves everything because she's worked for it, you know? She wasn't just handed it. You're not handed anything in life and she's proved that there's no handouts and you can still make it and do what you want to do with your career. So big shout out, Jordy. But I am going to go calling coward on this. I don't know why I just punched the air. Regardless, um, I'm going to go calling coward on this and kind of just do a quick rundown, maybe like 10 minutes. I tend to talk a lot, so maybe 20. Who knows? First of all, Houston Dash won the NWSL Challenge Cup. Sad for my Chicago Red Stars, but happy for them. Happy for Rachel Daly. Happy for, (laughs) I don't know if you saw this, but Christy Mewis, I think it's Mewis, 
Um, she was like um, 18 fisting Budweiser's. My soul, I almost said soulmate. Well, pretty much, but my like spirit and all, truly. But the funniest thing about <laughs> the Challenge Cup, if you didn't know, so the Orlando Pride opted out right away because obviously Florida is accessible for COVID. And so they opted out right away and were like, you know, we're going to be cheering everyone else on. Um, and the Orlando Pride curse was born. So basically, the Orlando Pride was tweeting out these polls being like, who should we cheer for this game? Fans would vote, and whoever they voted for lost. It was like insane. So they tweeted out for the championship game that both Houston and Chicago blocked them. <laughs> the curse was real. The curse was really real. So just had to put that out. And then while we're talking soccer, um, Toronto FC is already out of MLS's back. They lost 3-1 to New York City FC, which is, like, <laughs> a little embarrassing considering they were the MLS Cup champions three years ago. Like, <laughs> you hate to see it. I don't know. I I like Toronto FC, um, but I, I go to games, but I don't really cheer for them because the first ever MLS game I went to was a Columbus Crew game. Columbus Crew has my heart. You know, my cousins all love Columbus Crew. I watch them. You know, going to save the crew rallies and things like that. Their fan base is just amazing. They're electric. It also helps that they're doing incredible right now. Um, but, you know, I still kind of cheer for Toronto FC. I don't really believe in cheering for two teams. But I will go to a Toronto FC and watch them play whoever just because soccer is one of my favorite sports. And I will go watch any soccer game. So, but that's kind of like a little bit embarrassing. But you know what? It is what it is. Next up on the rundown, the WNBA orange hoodie has stolen the internet. She stole her. She said, snatched. Oh my goodness. I love it. First of all, it makes me laugh that, you know, you see like John Morant and I can't literally think of one other person who's wearing the WNBA. John Morant is the only person in my brain. But, you know, they sent all these hoodies out to people of influence, NBA players, you know, sports reporters, because they believe in the game, obviously. It's not just for clout. People hate on women's sports 24-7, so what clout are you going to get from wearing the orange hoodie? They're sold out everywhere. The WNBA had their highest, like, opening day ratings since, like, 2012, I believe it was. It's just insane, and it's so funny to see all the people in the comments being like, no one cares about women's sports, and they've got, like, Kobe Bryant as their profile picture. I'm not sure if you knew this, but Kobe loved women's basketball, so <laughs> jokes on you. I don't know why I keep doing accents. I just, like I said, I, my multiple personalities are talking to each other. We have a whole episode, don't worry. <laughs> but yeah, it kind of makes me laugh seeing all those trolls being like, no one cares about women's sports when like your idol Kobe Bryant was the biggest advocate for women's basketball. Sabrina Inescu, who had an amazing debut, I'm so proud of her. Even though the Liberty lost, she did amazing. Oh, I would die for her. But, you know, Kobe was one of her mentors. And what connection did they have at all? Literally none other than the fact that Kobe loved women's basketball and he was willing to be a mentor to any woman who wanted to play the game. I'm just, I'm going to cry. It's been six months since they were gone, which is insane to me. I think it was six months yesterday, which is just insane. It still doesn't feel real. To me and also I still like cry when I see pictures and stuff of the two of them because it reminds me of me and my dad regardless I'm gonna stop being depresso and uh 
move on. But yeah, the orange hoodie marketing was everything. WNBA has kicked off now. We love that for them. The next topic is the NHL bubble. So there's not a lot to say on this topic because nothing's really happened yet. The men look good. You know, I hate to say that because I know I'm going to get eaten alive by men being like, you only like this sports for the men. Well, the men don't like me. So what's the point? You know, I could go into any industry and have men reject me. Not why I'm into sports. The reason I love these bubble fit picks is because like, you know, I don't get to go into the real world anymore, go walk down Bay Street in the financial district and see men in suits. I don't get to see that. Seeing men in polos and their slacks, it hits different. It really does. Also, why does everyone in the bubble have a guitar? Like, I don't, I don't understand. First of all, I don't understand when you have the time to learn this, purely because maybe in the last four months, but for the most part, any boy who makes it to the NHL has played hockey like 17 hours a day since they're four years old. You know, you have dry land, you have power skating, you have practice, you have games, you have tournaments. Where did you find the time to learn a guitar? Like in the car, you're in the back of your mom's like Chevy being like, yeah. I don't, I don't understand. Anyways, loving the bubble fit picks, chef's kiss. It was so cute that I think it was the Oilers decorated their teens bedside tables with pictures of the family. That's so, so cute. It probably might not be the Oilers. I have like a pea brain and I don't like looking at my phone for stuff because then I look stupid. I am stupid, but I think it was the Oilers. I can't remember, but yeah, um, vlogs and stuff are coming out of the bubble soon. I'm sure we've seen cameras everywhere. Yeso decorations, decorations, <laughs> decorations from the leaves. I saw a Canucks one. Uh, I saw a Tim Hortons truck, which if y'all want to pull up to my apartment, I will DM you the address. There's literally Tim's on the corner, but it's just like the coolest thing I've ever seen. So yeah. Um, speaking of not cool things though, the drama in the bubble right now because of Lou Williams, this whole thing is so funny. It is the funniest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. So for y'all who don't know, Jack Harlow, the rapper, what's popping, popular on TikTok, um, he posted a video of him and Lou Williams at this strip club called Magic City. And then everyone was like, Lou, you left the bubble for this. Like, rough. Right, what's all this then? Um, then Harlow took the picture down and said, it's just an old pic. I just miss Lou. Which, like, to be fair, I've done that with my friends. I've taken pictures of them from, like, six months ago and been like, miss my little bean. But Lou Williams was wearing one of the NBA masks that they gave out in the bubble. So, and also, why were you wearing a mask at the strip club if it was an old pic? You know, like, when? When did you do that? Because, like, pre-pandemic, you didn't have to wear a mask at the strip club. So, I don't know. But the break in the story is that apparently they just went there for food. Um, and Lou Williams literally has his name on the menu at Magic City. It's like Lou Will Wings or Lou Will Tenders. I don't know. I can't remember. His name, though, was literally on the menu. Like, he goes there that much for food, truly, that they did name, like, Wings after him, which is iconic. If I don't get chicken tenders named after me at some sort of restaurant, I've not made it in this lifetime. I don't care if I work for ESPN, 
Sportsnet, you know, CBS, CBS, <laughs> like Fox game day, college football is what I would dream to do. But if I don't get my name on some chicken tenders at a restaurant, I haven't made it. Um, also, CBS is a sports site. I don't know why my brain is mush today. I, CBS will also work for you. That was not me discriminating. I don't know what, like, PBS is what I was thinking of. Yeah, Arthur. Used to watch that after school. Like I said, verbal diarrhea, guys. I don't know how Colin Coward does it. You know what? You can make fun of him and his garbage takes all you want. But the man doesn't have verbal diarrhea like I do. So kudos to him. But yeah, that is the funniest thing um, to come out of the bubble. And it also kind of makes me laugh as a woman how there was that text from that girl. Everyone was like, oh my god, women are going to ruin the bubble. Like, oh my god. And literally, Lou Williams apparently trying to go get some chicken wings is ruining the bubble. And like, Postmates delivery. So, checkmate. <laughs> Sorry, I'm so annoying. The last thing, MLB opening day, she finally came. Um, and now the MLB has collapsed because... A bunch of Marlins players tested positive for COVID, and they're not trying to go back to Florida. But also now it's like, okay, did they just infect the team they played? What's going on? There's already been two games canceled today. Obviously, the Marlins game is canceled. The um, Yankees game got canceled. I think as of right now, the Jays Nats are still playing. Uh, apparently, they're not canceling the season. I don't know what's happening. If the Marlins are just going to pull an Orlando Pride and just drop it out, I mean, they won't be missed at all, so that's fine. But I just, I don't even understand. And this genuinely wasn't even what we were going to talk about at first. We're just going to talk about how everyone <laughs> hates the runner on second rule until it helps them win the game. And then they're like, never mind, we're okay with this rule. Um, a lot of fans hate it, but it's also like, I, in a game where you're trying to like not contact, not contact, not have contact, and things like that, because it's a literal pandemic, like, you're not trying to play six extra innings, the fact that the Jays race game the other day went to the, did I say Yankees and Nationals were playing? The Nationals are playing the Jays today, I don't know what's going on, I'm so sorry, my brain, he's mush. um, anyways, back to my train of thought, the Jays race game, the Jays blew a 4-2 lead and then lost either 5-4 or 6-4, um, but, they went to the 10th inning. I, you know, baseball, I like baseball, but it's already sometimes exhausting sitting there for like seven innings in the sun. You make it to the seventh inning stretch and you're like, can somebody please score? Playing extra innings in a pandemic is just not an option. So I don't mind. I never played baseball. Okay. I get it as a player. Sometimes you're like, you know, they didn't have everybody after the game, whatever. I played soccer. I get it. It's like penalty kicks. You hate losing on penalty kicks because you feel cheated and even winning up winning on penalty kicks like you're not like oh my god we won you're kind of like they played the whole game they played overtime we lost on some or we won on some kicks like whatever but it was just so funny there was a player from the race who was like the runner on second world is so stupid and then after they won he was like never mind <laughs> so yeah but the marlins collapse really took over the mlb scene uh but yeah, there's probably more sports news. Actually, there's one thing. And I originally wasn't going to talk about it because Jordan doesn't care for soccer, which is fine. I feel like people who didn't play soccer don't care for soccer for the most part, which is okay with me. Um, but soccer is the love of my life. So is basketball because I played both. Um, this podcast is not about me. That's the thing. I need Jordan here so I like, don't talk about myself because I could just do that all day long. I don't know how somebody can be so like 
self-deprecating and narcissistic at the same time, but you're looking at her. <laughs> but big Canadian soccer news, Jesse Fleming signed with Chelsea Women's FC. I'm sad because I really wanted her to play for Arsenal with like Jill Roard. I would love that for her. Um, she clearly respects herself too much to go play for Arsenal, especially after seeing their men's performance. Um, did we barely beat Watford? Yes, we did. But you know what? That's fine. <laughs> So my roommate has a dog and her dog walker came in, but she like knocked on the door first. It was very bizarre because she has like a key to obviously come get the dog and stuff. Um, but I guess that's a good place to end off. You know, I would keep rambling if it wasn't properly stopped. Abruptly. Oh my God. That says it all. Thank you for joining me. We all miss Jord. I know my voice is so annoying. It's ridiculous. Anytime I hear it on recording, I want to vomit. I genuinely cannot listen to the podcast because it makes me cringe because I hate my own voice. But love y'all. Um, hopefully, Jordan is better right next week because we have some fun stuff coming up and I really don't want her to miss it. But thank you all for joining into the Ball Girls and we hope to see you next week. Testing, testing. One, two, three. Um, this is the end of the recording. This is the Ghost of Jordan. I am editing yesterday's episode and I am very far behind with a bunch of work and I got sick but um amazing episode from Haley I cried a little listening to her speech she's an absolutely amazing friend always has my back so next time someone comes at her um you're gonna get be getting the raft of the ghost of Jordan so you've been warned love you guys and I'll be back next week Woo!